Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, as we're in the series entitled Trials That Make a Church, and certainly going back 21 years and remembering September 11th, and we remember, many of us do, uh, those days after that, and how we prayed, and prayed for our country, and a bit unsure of how things would go in the next couple of days, and weeks, and months. But it's a great reminder for us that God has provided for us a wonderful freedom, and the freedom not only to worship, but to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And one of the great ways that God has given us to share His message with a lost world is in our Christian homes. Now, your home may be a home of one, it may be a home of 101. I don't know how many people live under the roof of your house, but here's what I do know. And I know that God has given each home an opportunity to be a blessing, to not only be a happy home, but to share God's love with those around them. And so this message today, though it is geared toward husbands and wives, it really is applicable in so many ways to every single one of us in so many different ways. But it's sort of like, and I enjoy each year or however often Merriam-Webster puts out a list of brand new words that are going in the dictionary. I learn something new all the time. I, did not, I had never heard I-C-Y-M-I. I didn't know what that was. I have seen it. I did not know. It's, those are letters, by the way. Those are five letters that go together. I-C-Y-M-I, in case you missed it, because it's just so difficult these days to use your thumbs and type those extra words, and so you just have to remember what all those things stand. That's going in the dictionary. Those five letters as a new word is going in the dictionary. There's another one that is uh, shrinkflation. I'd never heard of shrinkflation, but I'm sure all of us have suffered from it. Shrinkflation is when you go to the grocery store to buy something that used to be 64 ounces and now it's only 59 ounces. Not only does it cost more than the 64 ounces, but you're getting less. So my encouragement is read the label because shrinkflation is going in the dictionary like it's an actual thing. We're shrinking, but we're expanding at the same time. It's, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. Uh, by the way, many of us are happy. Some of us are happy that it is now fall. And we love the sights, we love the smells, we love the taste. And I didn't know that pumpkin spice was never really considered a word or in the dictionary, but pumpkin spice, that mixture of all of those fall flavors and colors, that's going in Merriam's uh, and Webster's dictionary. I did not know that. The last one that was brand new to me that I had to ask my children about uh, is yeet. Not yeast, yeet. Y-E-E-T. Some of you say yeet. Uh, some of you have spelled it. Some of you that are smiling, uh, you're like, yeah, you know, I, well, that's going in the dictionary. It's, a, it's an exciting it's a term to, to say that you're excited, that, that you're happy about something or whatever. And apparently teenage boys are the ones that use it the most on Fortnite. This was all brand new information to me. But that word is going in the dictionary. And I learn something new every day. I see these words, I see these phrases, and I think, you know, some of them I'm really familiar with, and I'm shocked that they're not in the dictionary. Others are brand new to me. Never used them, never used the word, 
had, had no idea what it meant, can't see myself ever saying yeet, or I see why am I, I'm just a in case you missed it kind of guy, uh, I, I guess. Uh, I can't see myself using those words. But you know, there are a lot of words, not only in a dictionary, that you may or may not use. There are some words in the dictionary you may or may not like. There may, or be, there may be even some words in the Bible that you use all the time. You say them, you use them, you refer to them. It's just part of your everyday speech. But I imagine that there are some words in the Bible that you don't like. I don't mean words that offend you in the sense of it reminds you of, a, of being a sinner or some specific sins that maybe you struggle with and you see that word and say, oh, I don't like that word because I struggle. Not so much that. But what about the word submission? I don't know that anybody likes the word submit. And when we see it in a Christian context, particularly as it relates to the home, a lot of hair on the back of some of the guys and the girls will raise up when they hear the word submit. And even as a Christian, when we think about the idea of submission even to Christ as the Lord of our life, a lot of us just bristle up and that's a word we wish was not in the Bible. That's a word we are well familiar with what it means and how to define it and we've seen it and we've heard it but we don't like when the preacher mentions it, we don't like when the Bible mentions it, and we really don't like it, ladies, when our husbands bring it up. It's just not a word that we enjoy hearing. But the title of the message today is Happy Homes. And this is what God knows. God knows that whenever our home is exactly the way it should be, with the husband fulfilling his role, with the wife fulfilling her role, with the children fulfilling their role. God knows that when everybody embraces the role that He has for them, that that house is going to be a happy home. And I imagine that we could pass a microphone around this morning and give personal testimonies of times in your house when a certain God-given rule, a certain God-given expectation, a certain uh, God-given responsibility was not fulfilled in your house, how there was fraction, division, and problems. Now, Peter addresses the home in a different perspective than Paul did in Ephesians chapter 5 and in, Col in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, Peter takes a different angle and he really speaks to a counterculture movement for women that did not exist in this day. In 1 Peter chapter 3, he also deals with the husband in a unique way. And so guys and girls alike, I hope and pray that God would open your eyes, open your ears, and open your heart to hear from His Word today, even if you say, Pastor, I'm not married. This doesn't apply to me. Uh, my husband isn't like this, my wife isn't like that, this, this is a passage of Scripture that doesn't fit in my story. And I'm telling you, it absolutely does. Because when you hear how Peter takes this angle of describing these roles in a home, it doesn't matter what the makeup of your home is, this passage applies to you. 
Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, he says, Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, a couple of things about this text of Scripture, especially to the ladies, as you're sitting there reading this and you think, you know, Pastor, you were right when you said that I don't like that word. I don't like submission. I don't like submit. I don't like what it means, and I don't like to hear about it. But you have to understand in the context of what Peter is saying, this is actually a wonderful passage of Scripture for women. And you have to put yourself back in the first century and think about not only how did Jesus deal with women, but how does the New Testament deal with the role of women, not just in the home, but in all of society. When you think about the Bible, think for just a moment, in first century life, the Bible is absolutely countercultural to men and to women. The times that Jesus met and talked with women, the time that Jesus forgave women, the fact that women were the first to come to the tomb and to go to the disciples and tell them of the risen Savior, and the fact that every gospel records these, these wonderful interactions that Jesus had with women. This was absolutely unheard of in the first century because women were not given a voice. They were not seen of value in society. Their role was strictly just to be the uh, procurers of the home and to make sure that there was a bloodline to pass something down to. Jesus elevated the role of women, and then the New Testament writers, like Peter and Paul, continued that elevation and said, look, as Paul did in Galatians chapter 3, he said there's no difference between men and women, slave and free, Jew or Greek. All are equal in the eyes of God. And so when you hear this passage of Scripture, you've got to put yourself in the first century and think, who is Peter talking to? And I love the idea that he says, likewise in verse 1, and likewise in verse 7. Because if you look back to the passage we looked at last week, who was Peter writing to? He was writing to those that are slaves and need to demonstrate the character of Christ to their master. Peter is not speaking against the societal structure of having a slave or having someone who is a worker for a certain amount of pay for a certain amount of time to someone who is a landowner. Peter's not speaking against that construction in society. Rather, what he's doing is he's saying inside of this society structure, you find yourself exalt Jesus. 
in this structure that you find yourself, live like a true follower of Christ. Demonstrate His character and live to glorify Him. And so when we get to chapter 3, and we look at verse 1, before Peter says a word to the wife, he says, likewise. And before he speaks a word in verse 7 to the husbands, he says, likewise. Here is what he's doing. He is not saying, you need to change everything about society from the outside in. You've got to change all of these laws and rules and and he's not speaking for women to have this right or that right here's what he's doing he's saying inside the construct of society wives imitate jesus inside the construct of your society husbands imitate jesus and with that as our backdrop that's how we need to hear this text of scripture Because just as he said the word likewise, pointing back to what he said about demonstrating the character of Christ to one aspect of society, now he's simply applying the same principles to another aspect of society. Last week we were in the workforce. Today we step inside the home. And inside the home, Peter has such a unique perspective when he says, and this is the first thing I want you to notice in this text of Scripture, the Bible says very simply, be submissive. If you're going to have a happy home, he says to the wives, be submissive, be subject. It's the same word he says here in verse 1 as he said in the previous text. Likewise, verse 1, wives be subject to your own husband. Here's that idea of being subject to, being submissive to. He means to follow the leadership that God has called the husband to have, just like Paul outlined in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, uh, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, and then produces her and, and, and demonstrates to her and then leads her to be holy by washing her in the Word. This is the role of a husband in the life of the family. He is to not only demonstrate the character of Christ to his wife, but he is to present to her the Word so that she might, be, she might cling to what the Word of God says. So that's the backdrop of chapter 3, verse 1. Like, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, So that even if some do not obey the word, they might be won by the conduct of their wives. Now, he means two things by this. You can think of those who do not obey the word as someone who knows the Lord, but is not obedient to his word. But in the context of what he's saying, he's actually referring to lost husbands that don't know Christ that are married to a Christian wife. That may apply to you. You may know someone or have someone in your family who is a devout, dedicated Christian woman married to a non-Christian man. But listen to what Peter says. He's saying that by being subject to their leadership in the home, that the wife will, by their conduct, demonstrate the gospel of Jesus to the husband. 
and be a tremendous witness to Him so that by that demonstration and by her conduct and by her obedience to the Gospel, she might win His soul for the kingdom. Notice how Peter explains this in verse 2. He says in the end of verse 1, by the conduct of their wives, and then he says, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. This is the context of this submission to the husband. Wives, if you have a husband who is a God-fearing, Christ-following, Spirit-filled man, you don't have any issue being submissive to godly leadership because just like you would follow Christ, your husband is following Jesus and you are following Him. Very few Christian wives have an issue submitting to a godly Christian husband. However, in this text, Peter says that there is a context for your behavior as a Christian woman living with a non-Christian husband. Still using the word subject, still using the idea of submission, now he frames it in this context. Now let me just kind of put a comma right there and point you back to last week. Remember when we looked at this text of Scripture that dealt with the slave and the master, and we dealt with the issue even before that of honoring the emperor. And we may live in a day and time where the quote-unquote emperor or someone who is in a position of authority over us, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in the government, may not be a Christ follower. Peter still said we can honor the Lord Jesus by honoring the emperor and honoring those in positions of authority over us. Why? Because if they exist to punish wrong, and to reward good, then we can obey the laws that, re- that reflect the rewarding the good and the punishing of the bad. Now, so think about that context of Peter saying that's how you can honor the emperor. Just because he says you can do it, if it goes against the Word of God, you're not supposed to do it. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Listen to the context again of what he says to a Christian wife married to a non-Christian man. That you, by your conduct of the wives, he says in verse 2, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. This is a direct reflection of the character of Jesus. When the conduct, the manner in which you live, reflects the Lord Jesus Christ, not by following His rule or demand of doing something ungodly. That's not the context of what Peter is talking about. He's saying that just simply by your obedience to the Gospel of Jesus and being respectful in the home and having a pure conduct, meaning your relationship with God is pure and holy, and how you relate to your husband is a reflection of the Gospel of Jesus. That context will win him over. Now girls, just for a moment, put your first century cap on. And now let's take it a step further. Look at verse 3. He says, do not let your adorning be external. And he mentions the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. 
Now let's just understand something right now. Peter's not saying you shouldn't wear clothes. He's not saying you shouldn't do anything with your hair. And he's not saying that you can't wear gold jewelry, because I, I saw some of you kind of pulling at your earrings and putting them in your purse. And he, no, he's not saying that. The word adorning means what is attractive to your husband. What is attractive even when you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Peter says if your adorning is merely external, and what your husband finds beautiful, what you find beautiful about you, has anything and everything to do with what's on the outside, he says you've missed the boat. That's not the most important thing, he goes on to say in verse 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. Now let's just be honest. <laughs> Guys and girls alike, beauty fades. Mark, you know that. I mean, look at you. I mean, we all understand. We all understand we're not who we were when we were younger in high school. The skin, the hair, the body, the, the, the breath. You know, some of us get out of, out of breath going up the stairs. You know, we're not who we used to be in terms of maybe physical attractiveness, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see lines and wrinkles, we see loss of hair, we see a few extra pounds, and we think, oh, I wish I could go back to when I was, and then we fill in the blank. Now, by God's grace, some of you may still be there. And if you are, we don't like you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're just envious because we're not there anymore. But if that's the only thing, what I see in the mirror, if that's the only thing that I find attractive about me, I'm in trouble. If that's the only beauty that I reflect to my spouse, then what Peter says is you have so missed the mark because what God sees as precious has to do with what He does on the inside, not with what you do on the outside. Now, some of us do the best we can on the outside. Uh, we spend time, we spend energy, we spend resources. We do the best we can with what we have. But if that's all there is, then we have missed demonstrating the character of Christ. And so ladies, what Paul says or Peter says to you in the context of your home, let your husband brag on you because of your inner beauty. Let him see this gentle quiet spirit, not loud and boisterous on the outside, flashy and using filters on Instagram and buying all the latest this and having the bling bling that, don't let that be your primary goal. But rather, let him see who Jesus is transforming you to be on the inside and let that make your home a happy home. Beauty will fade. Peter already said in chapter 1 that words... And, and everything will fade. Beauty fades. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the Word of God stands forever. And ladies, if that is transplanted in your heart, 
then even with an unbelieving husband, when the Word of God is planted in you, that is what will win him over. He says, let this be who you are. And then he goes on to use Sarah. I love Sarah as an example in verse 6. Ladies, he says, And Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now again, this is not a command of the Apostle Peter to say, ladies, you need to go home and start calling your husband Lord. He's using Sarah, though some of you would like that. He's using Sarah as an example. And saying that though she was following a God-fearing man, she showed the respect that was due to him of what God had put on his shoulders to lead her and to lead her family. And she recognized that. And she was obedient to that. She was subject to God's leadership in her husband's life. However, I love this. Even though the Bible says that we are to celebrate and to honor the, the, the gentle spirit and the quiet spirit, he goes on to say, you ladies are her children if you do good and do not fear anything. It's possible to be quiet and to be gentle and to be respectful, but to not only do the right thing, but to be strong women. Peter is countercultural to first century life when he says, Be like Sarah and do good and don't be afraid of anything. You don't have to shy away and be so meek and mild and, 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 and shivering in the corner at the sight of your husband. That's not what he's talking about. In fact, he goes on in the next verse, which we'll look at in just a moment, where he puts the man and the woman on equal status with God. So he says, women, stand strong. Don't be afraid of anything. Be quiet in a sense of your spirit. Be gentle reflect the character of Jesus, do good, and be strong. You know, there are just some homes that just seem, like I said earlier, out of step with the Word of God. We don't like certain words. Some things just seem out of place. I saw this past week on Tuesday at the U.S. Open tennis tournament in, uh, in New York that two guys showed up, and they were sitting there watching the match and one guy gets out a barber's cape, puts it around the neck of another guy, gets out a set of clippers, and during a tennis match, starts giving the guy a haircut. Needless to say, they got thrown out of the stadium for that. But I can't say the last time I was watching any sporting event or ever been to any sporting event where I'm sitting next to Somebody getting a haircut with a barber's cape around his neck or her neck and somebody getting a haircut while watching some sporting event. I, they were YouTubers and they were trying to get a video and they were trying to do a prank and I'm sure it's going to blow up and have millions of views on YouTube because these two yahoos got, got one over on... They still paid money. <laughs> to go in a tennis match at the U.S. Open just to get thrown out to make a video. But getting a haircut 
at some kind of sporting event makes about as much sense as having a Christian inside the home not fulfilling their God-given role. They don't match. It makes no sense. Why place a gospel-influenced, born-again child of God in a home only to see them do the opposite of what God has called them to do and to be? Friends, in America, it's exactly what we have. We have a lot of unhealthy churches. We have a lot of unhealthy Christian homes. We have a lot of dysfunction in so many families simply because they are out of step with the will and the Word of God. And even with wives that are married to husbands that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, to be out of step with the will and the Word of God is only to hinder what God desires to do in your home. And Peter gives a great example of what God could do here in this happy home. Here's the second thing the Lord wants to do. And unfortunately, it's only one verse. But not only are we to learn to be submissive, uh, ladies, but the Lord tells us through the Apostle Peter that guys should be supportive. That's the second thing I want you to see quickly in verse 7. He says, again the word, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now girls, before you bristle up, (laughs) okay, they're doing it again. Don't call me weak. He just said you were strong. He just said you don't need to be afraid of anything. And now he's calling you weak. Understand the context of what Peter is saying. He's simply saying, in the dynamic of the role that God has given the husband, you are given a role of following. He is given a role of Uh, a a responsibility of leading you're given a role of following he is under the authority of the lordship of jesus you're under the authority of the lordship of jesus it's just that the channel in the home comes through the husband being obedient now he already spoke to a wife that is perhaps married to a non-christian husband well now he's talking to a christian husband and saying you need to live with her he says first of all in an understanding way That means you've got to understand the roles. You've got to understand the responsibilities. And guys, this means you can't sit on your little throne, snap your finger, ring your bell, and call your personal servant, that some of us would call your wife, call your personal servant to do your bidding. He says, this is not living in an understanding way. You don't understand you, and you don't understand her. And if you think that she walked down the aisle to live that kind of life, man, are you mistaken. Because not only is that not God's way, that's not anything close to the right way. He says you live with her in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now listen, I've been married uh, for 27 and a half years. My wife has had bigger muscles since the day we met. She, she is, uh, has bigger muscles than me. If you don't believe me, ask her to flex and, you, and you'll see pretty close. She's, I've seen a lot of wives that could beat up their husbands pretty easily and quickly. This is, not the, this is not a strong person competition here. Peter says what you need to do, guys, you need to understand the role that God has given to her. And instead of putting your foot on her and keeping her down, what you need to do is you need to raise her up. You need to pray for her. 
You need to encourage her. You need to encourage her to be all that God wants her to be. You need to compliment her, inner and outer beauty. You need to be the sole source of, of pouring into her, not only uh, what you do physically in your relationship, but emotionally and even spiritually. You need to give your life over to her, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know why we have a lot of fractions and divisions and frustrations in homes? It's because we have two people that are living and married together we have a husband and we have a wife, and neither of them want to do the role that God has given to them. We'll only have a happy home. When guys will understand and ladies will understand the role that God has given to them, because Peter even says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And guys, listen to this warning. Your prayer and your prayer life will be hindered. If you do not exalt your wife as a co-heir with Jesus and a co-heir with you and an equal part in the kingdom of God with you, you try to sit on a throne and you try to order and boss her around, you've completely missed the thrust of this and all passages of Scripture when it comes to the home. But you lift her up, you love her, you exalt her, you honor her, you show her the honor that is due, and you love her as Christ loved the church. I'm telling you guys, you'll have a happy home. Because you see, when Jesus gets a hold of our heart, when Jesus transforms our life, that's the start of a happy home. Whenever we understand that by our own nature we are sinners that rebel against the the will and the Word of God, when we are broken of our sin and we say, I can't do it my way, I want to do it God's way. That's the start of turning and repenting from our sin and following the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, if you have never made that decision before, you will have a happy home today when you give your heart first to Jesus and then to your spouse. If you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can give that gift to your family today by giving your life to Jesus and following Him. But friend, listen, if you have, if you have given your life to Christ and you're a born-again follower of Jesus, then listen to what Peter says about the home. There is no replacement for what God wants to do in you. There is no other wife. There is no other husband. There is no other option than why God put you in that home for His plan and your purpose, for His purpose. I found out in Tokyo... They have all these little bitty stores that have thousands of options and drinks and snacks in them, but they only have at most one worker in these stores. How do they operate a convenience store with thousands of options and only one worker? Well, they've developed this robotic arm that scans the aisles and scans the drinks and stocks the most... I guess popular drinks that leave the store, the robotic arm goes back into the stock and pulls out all of what is missing and replaces it so that the one person working there doesn't have to run and go back behind and fill everything in. It just has a robotic arm that does all of that for it all day long. 
can replace thousands of drinks in an hour just simply by moving that robotic arm and using that technology. The guy that is using this technology in all of these stores, he said, we want to auto automate all the repetitive jobs and boring jobs done by humans. This is the direction we're going. And the best way to do that is to use robots. You know what's great about a home? There's no replacing you. And guys, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are missing an opportunity not only for your own soul, but for the benefit of that lovely wife that you have. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then today is the day to say, you know what, I can't do it my way. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it God's way. And the first thing I'm going to do is turn away from my sin, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Ladies, if you don't know the Lord Jesus personally, and you're rebelling against God's role for you and the home, the best thing for you to do is to fall on your face before the Lord and say, God, I'm tired of rebelling against you. I want to do it your way. But if you do know the Lord Jesus Christ in your home, there's never going to be a replacement for you. Because God has uniquely put you in the home to do what only He can do through you. And you're either going to have a happy home by saying yes to Him, or you're going to have an unhappy home full of brokenness, full of frustration, and full of empty promises. Because one of you, or maybe both of you, are out of step with the will and the Word of God. The good news is today, you can start fresh with God today and say, God, look, I've made a mess of my home. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. I've made a lot of decisions. I've said a lot of things I wish I could take back. Friend, you can't do anything to make up for any of that stuff, but you can decide today to be who God wants you to be in the home. Whether you're a husband, you're a wife, whether you're not even married, you can start today by reflecting what the Bible says your home life should be by being who God has called you to be. I want to give you an opportunity here in just a moment to make a decision for Jesus to be exactly who He's called you to be. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Our Heavenly Father, we know that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Father, we know that apart from the leadership of Your Holy Spirit and apart from dependency on Your Word, God, we are unable to be who You want us to be in our homes. Father, today, may You begin to transform every heart so that every home will have the impact of Your will and Your Word beginning today. And God, if there are roles that have been left undone, if there are some responsibilities that have been thrown by the wayside, if there are some, Father, that have just rebelled against doing it Your way and are continuing to try to do it their way, God, may You grab a hold of our hearts and grab a hold of our homes today so that we might be a blessing not only to our community in this country, but ultimately, Father, to Your kingdom. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.